0: Hallelujah. Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, bless you. I know the uh, the weather outside has been a little crazy, a little weird. I want to thank you for coming. Last Sunday, when we looked outside, the, the roads were not too bad, but I know the subdivisions, I drove through a couple subdivisions, and they were horrific. And... uh when we when I came out this Sunday, um, although some subdivisions still are bad, they were at least passable. So I want to thank you for coming and uh, fellowshipping today. Um, one announcement that Pastor Daniel didn't say, but um, as many as you know, we've asked Sean and Ariana to join us as, as part of our pastoral team, pastoral staff. And so we will be setting them in on January 22nd. We have a couple individuals that we've asked to come to minister with laying on of hands and praying over them. And I want, I want all of us to be here. That was a place where you could say, yeah! But I, I want all of us to be here to represent, to support, and to, uh, to affirm Sean and Ariana so that's why I'm saying it today I'm going to say it every time we get together January 22nd put that date in your calendar and make your plans and say we're going to be at Solid Rock and as a family we're going to support and we're going to come and encourage them so that's January 22nd and uh, I've asked a pastor from Chilliwack um, who we fellowship with. Also, Pastor Ivan from uh, Seashelt will be joining us. And uh, we. I'm trying to get a hold of a, a third pastor. So we're going to have some prophetic ministry, some prophetic words spoken over Sean and Arianna. And as I said that, Sean and Arianna go, <gasps> <gasps> it's all good, amen, amen. Um, also, I... Although everybody's gone, the, the the ministry, the 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 nursery workers, and the Sunday school, we have an amazing group of people, and some of you are involved with the uh, nursery, and some of you are involved in Sunday school, and it's not your week to teach, but um, I want to thank everyone that participates and gives of their time and their effort and their energy to make us Solid Rock who we are. It's not just us pastors, but it's all of you. Every one of us plays a part. Every one of us is a member of the body. Um, If you could turn in your Bibles, I'm going to take a few minutes this morning. I don't think it's going to be super long, but I believe I've got a word for you this morning, and it's part of the Christmas story that we've grown up with. And if you can turn into your chapter 2 of Luke... I want to take a few minutes, and I want us to see, as I've, I've been meditating on this passage, this was my passage last Sunday, and uh, I didn't come here to preach to an open, church, empty church. We didn't have service last week. But as I've been meditating on it, I've, I've grown up with this passage. It's Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20, and we're going to read that passage, and, and as I read it, If you're not there in your Bibles, you've probably read this and heard this many times, but I want to take a few thoughts out of this passage and just take a few minutes looking at the excitement, the joy of Jesus and his birth. So if you're in your Bibles, Luke 2, we're going to start in verse 8, and I'm reading out of the New King James. It says, Now there were in the same country shepherds who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe laying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. And it was told them. I've read this story many times. I've heard it preached many times. And quite often we go to the, the, there was no room in the inn. Have you ever heard that expression? There was no room in the inn. But as I was thinking about that, I've always thought, well, that's the fault of the innkeeper. But it actually, that was just something that naturally happened. We've heard of the angels and the heavenly choir. Can you imagine the shepherds that night taking care of their sheep just like a regular night and all of a sudden an angel of the Lord appears to them Anybody here had an angel of the Lord appear to you that you recognized at that moment? You might have recognized it later that it was an angel, but at that moment did you recognize it was an angel? I haven't. I've I've had experiences where afterwards I've thought and I go, well, that was God that took care of me. But at that moment, and it wasn't just one person, it was the shepherds two, three, four, I don't know how many, but there was enough of them that they were taking care of the sheep. Can you imagine in Abbotsford, if you went up Glen Mountain or you went to Bradner or some area and you're taking care of something and it turns to dark and all of a sudden, the glory of the Lord comes. And it's like, you're just doing what you do day after day, week after week, month after month. You're just doing what you do, and all of a sudden, God shows up, and an angel of the Lord appears. I've been trying to imagine that, because we sing it all the time. We talk about it all the time. But this was not something that happened regularly. And they freaked out, the shepherds. What I want you to see with that passage, and there's, there's a few things I want you to see in this. First of all, they, the Lord appeared to the shepherds. The shepherds were on the social ladder. They were very low on the social ladder. They were not recognized like some of the other occupations and careers. And what I found interesting was Some of these shepherds, not all of them, but some of the shepherds actually took care of the sheep that were part of the sacrifices that regularly happened in the temple. And what I found interesting and funny and amusing about this was the people that provided the animals for the sacrifice were considered ceremonially unclean to actually become into the temple and participate. And we've had these conversations with Jesus that we've been talking about since the summer. And what has amazed me in, as I've meditated on Jesus, he came and he, he, he did not play by the rules. When Jesus came, he didn't play by the rules. In fact, if you read Matthew 5, he'll say, you've heard it said, but I say. And we saw how he dealt with the woman that was caught in adultery and the only one that could stow, throw the stone was Jesus and yet he didn't say yeah I'm going to stone her he says no where are all the guys that, can, that are accusing you He says I'm not going to accuse you I'm not going to condemn you go and sin no more And he broke the rules he did not play by the rules and what I find amazing here is he didn't play he didn't have the same birth That so many other people had. I find it amazing that we sometimes try to make Jesus fit into our life. I try to make him fit into my situations. I try to make him part of what I'm doing and so therefore, if something happens, no, Jesus, and instead of saying, what would you do, Jesus? I say, no, Jesus, you, you help me in this situation. And Jesus comes, and he goes, no, I'm not here to do that. I'm here to give you life. And he changed the whole way of thinking. He changed the approach. And I've, I've just been so refreshed because as I've looked at the life of Jesus, I see that he's refreshing. He's refreshing. He doesn't get hung up with the tradition. He gets his hands dirty. He spits and grabs mud and puts it on people's eyes. He goes to a leper, which you're not supposed to go to, and instead of telling them to leave, he goes to them. He breaks the rules and here he is being born and his birth is a birth that is totally unconventional and it's not typical and it's not something that they would have expected. And so from the start, Jesus is breaking the rules. I don't know of anybody else that had an angelic choir come and proclaim his birth. There were times when angels came and told women in the Bible they were going to have children, but the time of his birth, an angel comes, and then all of a sudden, after he says, "Don't be afraid, I give you good tidings of great joy." And after he says that, all of a sudden, there's a choir. I wonder how many times they had to rehearse. You know? Choir master, okay, no, you're not singing the alto. you got to get a little higher. Sopranos, what's the matter with you? Bass, come on. I mean, I don't know how many times they rehearse, but can you imagine the heavenly choir? Can you imagine the angels that God said, I want you to go and tell of his birth? I... I hear the story, and sometimes I just read it as part of the Christmas story. But what I found amazing was there was a huge celebration at his birth. And I've always tried to understand where does Christmas, where does his birth fit into his life and his death and his resurrection? And, and sometimes we almost classify, well, this is there, this is there, and this is of importance. To me, everything is of the utmost importance. Every aspect of his life is of the utmost importance. His birth is not less important than his death, and his death is not less important or more important than his birth. And his resurrection does everything that Jesus did is of the highest, most worthy, greatest importance in my life. And as I've been studying this and looking at this, they had a celebration of his birth. His birth was a celebration. They went and they broke the rules. Instead of declaring it to the priests and everybody in the temple, he went and, they, and God had it declared to the guys that were ceremonial unclean. The ones that should not have received that news who were the outcasts, who were probably some of the people they made fun of or joked about because their jobs and their careers and every... I mean, they had to stay out at night for parts of the year and they had to spend nights out with the sheep. And, and it, I mean, can you imagine the jokes they would have made about them? I mean, they're talking to animals and stuff. Like, they're not talking to man to man. They've, they're taking care of animals and, and stuff. And, and the socially... Uh, elite and those who had made all the classifications put them in a place where they were the lowest on the social status. And what does God do? He says, I'm going to tell them the good news. So what does that mean to you and me? Well, a few things it means to me. First of all, it means that he cares enough that it doesn't matter where I am in life, He cares enough to me to give me good news. I don't have to qualify to be at a certain status for God to come and have an encounter with me. And by the way, this is something God initiates. This is something God, God didn't say, he didn't have a lottery and say, oh, oh, I guess it's going to be those guys. He said, no, we're going to go and we're going to declare it to those people. God initiates things. And what he's, he's initiating here is he's initiating the joyful arrival of his son. So I see that God takes me where I am. Second thing I see is how do I respond to somebody who in today's society i might consider a lower class citizen and you go what we have those thoughts go through our mind is he a lawyer no he's a construction worker or no he just digs ditches or it doesn't matter or he's stuck with addictions and he's he's somebody he's homeless we have those and and i don't subscribe to A list or a pecking order but our minds and our thoughts and our conversations have that in them let's be honest I've talked to somebody who said I wanted to send my kid to a private school because the private school the families were wealthier than those that went to a public school and he was and what he was doing was he was just being honest and saying he expected a different result from there than there and so we do those things in our life and I'm here to tell you that whoever you see around you and however you evaluate that situation, that person, God says, no, he's of value to me. And he went to the shepherds and he gave them the greatest news anybody could hear. And I just love that. Because we think it should happen to me. It should happen to me. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I, I live like this. And, and God says, no, I'm, I'm going to go to the shepherds, the one that people make fun of or outcasts. Those, they're not even allowed to, to come into the temple because they've been working in the dirt and handling the sheep, so they're unclean. He says, I'm going to tell them the good news of my son's birth. He initiates this. So when I see this, and as I look out here, I know most of you. In fact, I think I know all of you. I know all of your names, especially if you give me two or three tries at it, I'll get your name. And I would say with confidence that you're all believers. But what would you do if there was somebody here this morning that was homeless? Somebody here this morning that was addicted to drugs. Somebody here this morning that's been abused, hurt. Somebody that came in this morning that didn't smell good. What would you do? Would you take a look at this? And as I was preparing... I was prepared to tell anyone, and I'm telling you, but I was prepared to tell everyone and anyone that it doesn't matter what they look like, what age they are, what race they are, what class they are, what they do. It doesn't matter. God came to them, and he has good news for them. Jesus, the Savior, is born. And even if they're stuck in addictions, God doesn't say he won't love them or care for them. He came for that person. He initiates it. I just love that, that he initiates it. Because left to myself, I'm a very poor initiator of things when I need God. Because I think I've got it figured out. I think I've got it taken care of. I think this is, and God says, no, I'm going to come and I'm going to initiate a relationship. I'm going to initiate my sonship, my son coming to point the way, the one that bridges the gap. I will initiate that because man left to himself will not be able to do that. So I find it interesting that he went to shepherds. I'm trying to give you a a greater picture, a greater view, a greater understanding of the beauty of the Christmas story as we know it. And there's the passages in Matthew, and there's the passages in in Luke. There's other references. If you go to John, John chapter 1 talks about his birth. It says, he came to his own. He came to his own. And his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become sons of God. God initiates something here, but I also find that he's very inclusive. This is something that challenges me. Next thing I see, and I'm amazed by this, is that it's the glory of the Lord in verse 9. An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. (laughs) You can't separate God from His glory. You can't separate God from His glory. His glory is who he is. And his glory, the word glory is the word doxa, and that means there's an actual weight. There are times when you might actually feel a heaviness, not in a negative sense, but just a heaviness of his presence. And what that is, is that is literally a revelation or a manifestation or a revealing of his presence on you, around you, or near you. When we st- when we first moved into this church, we had a pastor come and and minister to us, um, Pastor DeWitt, uh, DeWitt Jones, and him and his wife, and they minister in music, and they have a prophetic voice, and I remember him saying something, I'm not sure if Pastor Nelson or Pastor Louise or Pastor Daniel and Brenda remember this or not but I remember him prophesying that there would actually be things happening in the congregation there 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 and almost like instances and it, and it wasn't that it wasn't that God was not doing he was doing something everywhere but there was like a just a revealing of what he was doing there and Pastor Nelson has found and as, as he's ministered and it's funny if you watch people minister sometimes they will say come here and then as they're walking they'll say stop and Pastor Nelson has, knows that when Pastor Nelson's ministering and there's a moving of God Pastor Nelson can identify a spot and you say well what's that it, it's just something about the glory of the Lord so I find this amazing that here the angels are and the shepherds, I mean, not the angels, the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord is there. Makes me a little jealous. It makes me a little jealous, in a good way. I want to have his glory on me so that actually people Because that's what happened here. People actually recognized the glory. And I'm not talking about a cloud. I'm talking about the presence of God was so great that it shone. It lighted up. Moses, when he came down from the mountain, they actually put a veil in his front of his face because his face was so bright that they said, we can't stand it looking at you like that. He had a revelation and he had an experience and a deposit of the glory of God on him. Can you imagine? Doing what you're doing. It doesn't matter what you do the glory of God can come and shine around you and be around you. It doesn't matter. You don't have to have a certain pastoral credentials or this or that. You can just be someone they consider a shepherd in the field just doing what you do and the glory of God comes and it invades that place and all of a sudden you recognize it and those around you that are working with you recognize it as well. The glory of the Lord shone all around them. I don't think art does justice to that scene. Have you seen the art, the pictures where there's a little bright little halo? And they have a picture of even a choir, and they somehow, somehow that choir is always stuck in a cloud. Have you noticed that? It's like you don't quite see their, full, you see their heads, and, the, and then by the time it gets down to their feet, they're stuck in a cloud. But can you imagine what it would have been like to be the one so privileged to have an angel of the Lord come, and then a vast angelic host choir singing glory to God in the highest what I want you to do is is I'm hoping you get a revelation of the birth of Christ that will cause you to have a greater appreciation for Christ because what I found is it's all about him it is not about me It's about what Jesus did. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit, as we worship the ministry of the Holy Spirit, one of his greatest ministries or most um, weighted ministries is to reveal about Christ. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal things about Jesus. So as we worship and as we minister, the Holy Spirit will give us revelation of what Jesus did. And here he is. He's not even born yet. And God has put on display this amazing light display, an amazing choir. And he's gone to those that we do not always even recognize, maybe, as contributors. And he goes to them, and they freak out. And I want you to see four things out of verse 10. Fear not. I'm here to tell you not to fear. Some of you here are freaking out. The angels of the Lord came and he said to them, don't fear. Fear and faith can't occupy the same space. Now fear the Lord is not an afraid of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a respect and an honor. But there's an aspect here where this fear actually refers to a phobia. We get the word phobia, and that's what this word is. And so they were freaked out. They were what is? And, and he says, fear not. And I want you to see this. In Revelation of Jesus in your life, the first thing is don't fear. Fear not. And why can, he say, why can he say fear not? Because what he continues to tell them. He says, I don't want you to fear. He says, I've got good tidings. Look at somebody and say good tidings. Look at somebody and say good tidings. That word good tidings is, is part of a Greek word that has the aspect of eulogy, but also has the aspect of evangelism. Or evangelize. If you study that word, the word evangelize comes out of that word good tidings. And what they were saying was, we've got good news for you. Who here likes giving out good news? I love giving out good news. I do not like giving out bad news. And the best news that you can give out is that there's a Savior that was born for someone else. So here's this angel. And they don't give his name, but they just say it's an angel of the Lord. And he says, Fear not, I've got good tidings. So the tidings that he has or the news that he has to bring is good. The gospel, one of the words for gospel is good news. The gospel is not bad news. The gospel is good news. The gospel is news that is good for any and everybody that it comes across. Because the good news is there is salvation and there is a man who came to bring you back to God, to reconcile man to God. His name is Jesus and that's good news because the state that you and I lived in before, I don't live in that state now, but the, la- the state I used to live in was the state of being a sinner. But he says, I've got good news for you. And he, took him, he takes us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. I don't live there anymore. The good news is I changed my citizenship, and now I am a son of God. And that's the word here. Each one of you. Each one of you. From Kyle, Lyndon, Maria, Dan. Sean, Brad, Stephen John, Alvaro, Daryl, every one of you has good news that you can say and share with somebody else. Every one of you. It is not age-restricted. It is revelation, and it's a life that he gave to you. And here's the angel saying there's good news. Can you imagine... I'm asking you this question a few times because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get you to think and to visualize a change or something different. Can you imagine walking up to somebody who's hurting and saying, I got some good news for you? Because you do have good news. And the good news of this situation in his birth was great joy great joy joy itself refers to great happiness but he says I've got great or mega great happiness can you imagine he didn't say hey guys don't freak out just an angel of God Listen, I got some good news for you guys today yeah it's like mega, mega joyful yeah there's a baby born in Bethlehem just down the road somewhere You'll find him in, in wrapped up in some clothes and in a manger. That is really good news. I, I'm sorry. I, I have a hard time believing that an angel would. I, I was, I'm here to tell you good news of great joy. Can you, he, you can't be joyful and not express. Have you ever seen some? Is that your happy face? You know, and you see a guy and he doesn't know how to smile and you look at him, this is my happy face. The angel of the Lord saying, I've got good tidings of great joy. The birth of Jesus was something that was good news and it was mega joyful. So when we celebrate his birth now we can celebrate it with great joy, with a joyfulness that is large and is mega and it's huge. Why? Because that is what his birth did and is. It, his birth was grateful. It was awesome. It was large. It was immense. The joy that he brought was a joy that the only measurement was, was the word mega, large, huge. God wants you to enjoy His birth. I'll say that again. God wants you to enjoy His birth. I'll say that again. God wants you to enjoy His birth. I'll say it again. God wants you to enjoy His birth. Yeah, somebody's, God wants you to enjoy his birth. I'm so thankful for his birth. It, can you imagine the cataclysmic and whatever that huge word is? It means a big, powerful, monumental, paramount time that the angels came. And it says in Galatians, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. And here we have his son. And the angels are coming. And the angel says, I've got good news of great joy. Because the Savior is being born. He didn't go, I got good news. A great joy as the Savior's born. You can't give good news and be unhappy about it. Fear not. Good news or good tidings, great joy. The fourth thing I want you to see out of that verse is to all people. All people. Even the neighbor that drives you crazy. Even the guy that wakes up at 6 o'clock in the morning on your day off, goes out to his car and then honks his horn to get his wife moving. Even that guy. Even the person that drives you crazy because they got here before you did and they stole your spot. Even that person. All people and i find it neat and and god i think has so much fun because he does things i think sometimes just to mess with you and me and who does he introduce jesus to he introduces jesus to shepherds and i'm here to tell you that i believe god's going to be introducing himself to some people that we would consider who are they And God will move on somebody that we would say, no, he shouldn't. But all of a sudden, God moves. And what's amazing is the people that receive that, you can't deny. You could not deny the shepherds what happened. And I'm expecting to have some people come into this church and just kind of like mess us up a bit because God touched them radically and we might think they aren't worthy of it or we might not even understand how they can comprehend it or that they, they used to be drunkards and now God sobered them up or they used to have addictions and God just cleaned them and whatever it is and all of a sudden they're here and they're coming into the church and they're worshiping God and they're moving around and they're dancing and, and we're sitting there going, is that flesh? You know what? It just might be because they're so excited. But we, can can we? This challenges me because I got to be honest with you. I see somebody and I put them in a place. I got to be honest with you. I think that's part of our human nature. But the good news is not exclusive, it's inclusive. And the joy of Jesus' birth, he gets it on our head because he tells somebody, a bunch of shepherds, that nobody else cares about or even... I mean, they had to work the night shift and all this, and they make fun, and and they're the social outcasts. They're not recognized. They can't even come into the temple because they're ceremonial unclean. And what does he do? He says, I've got good news. And sometimes Jesus wants to upset the apple cart, and we think we got it all figured out, and we're going to get new converts coming in here just saying... You know what? I was blind and now I see. And we're going to sit there and go, what happened? I was blind and now I see. No, tell me what happened. All I can tell you is that I've got good news. The Savior is born. And am I prepared to have them sit beside me and enjoy time with them? Because I've seen the scripture and it says that he came and he told the shepherds. And it was to all people. It challenges me. And I hope... It challenges you. Lord, help us that we would not get so comfortable that we wouldn't put arms around somebody in need. And this is the joy of his birth. You have the greatest story that you can tell somebody. Because you've got the joy. You've got the peace. And then the next verse here, verse 11, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Before he was born, he was considered a Savior. What does the word savior mean? It means a rescuer. Jesus came to rescue you so that you could in turn go and rescue someone else. Jesus did not just come to save you and to leave you like that. He came so that you would now take the good news and great joy that unto them is born today and at this time of the year that we celebrate Christmas, we should celebrate his birth every day of the year and the joy of his good tidings every day of the year. But if it just so happens that we put it in Christmas, then let's celebrate it to the top. Don't just push it off and say there's a nice tree and there's gifts under there. Let's celebrate it for the birth of a savior that could take somebody and rescue them from addictions, could rescue them from abuse, could rescue them from themselves, could rescue them from the pressures of life, could rescue them from depression, that can rescue them from loneliness, that can rescue them from fear. He is a savior. He came to save you. Where would you be without the Savior. I, I did not expect the service of my preaching to go like this. But what struck out to me was, he's a Savior. He's a Savior. He's a Savior. He's a rescuer and a deliverer. If you look up that word, Savior, you'll find the word rescuer and deliverer. Now, my computer wasn't working, so I wrote this down. To liberate or take by forcible means from lawful custody... That's what the word rescuer means. So the word "rescue," when Jesus came and rescued you, what he did was he took you forcibly from some other custody, and he took you and rescued you into his custody. I'll... I thank God for this. He liberated you. Who here needed liberation? Thank God he liberated you. And he forcibly, in this part, I love this, this definition, he forcibly took you from what, and, and, and sin had dominion over me, so it had some legal aspect, there was some legality there, and he went and he forcibly took me from that custody and said no, and he brought me into his custody, into his light. He didn't join me there and stay with me there. He took me from there, and he brought me here. Every one of us has experienced the rescuing of our Savior. If you've accepted Christ, and I say this with confidence that every one of you has, then you've been rescued from the custody of one and you've been forcibly taken into his dominion and his domain. That's what the word Savior means. So when you talk to somebody, you can say there's a Savior of your soul. I'll just read you. To free... From confinement. This is what the Savior does. He frees you from confinement. Not consignment. Confinement. He doesn't work in a thrift shop. He rescues you. He frees you from confinement. In other words, when you accept Christ and what he's done for you, you do not live a confined life anymore. He opened the doors. He took you forcibly. And now you live in a kingdom where the limits are his limits, not your limits. The confinement is not confined, but it's opened up. The kingdom, the good news is you used to feel confined and constrained, but when you accepted Christ and he came and he took you from the dark kingdom of darkness into his kingdom, there is a, con- a release that he has, a liberation that he has for each one of you. Each one of you has been liberated into the kingdom of his dear son. That's what the word Savior means. That's who we're celebrating at this time of year. That's who saved your soul every day of the year. Another aspect of the word rescuer is that he frees you from evil, danger, and harm. And same with deliverer. Rescues you from harm or damage. Do you know that God cares enough for you that he freed you from damage? I've met somebody, I've talked to people and I I met this one person and he just says, I kept trying to do it myself, I kept trying to do it myself and I finally got to the end of it and I just said, God, can you take over? And all of a sudden he was freed. If you try to do it on your own, you will do, do more damage than if you let him come and be the savior of your life. As I was preparing the sermon, I was preparing it for people that are not saved. So you're getting a sermon for you that are saved. But I hope you're hearing this so when you come across somebody who's not saved, you can give them good news. And actually if you if you look at a lot of the sermons I preached, and I did not do this on planning or on purpose necessarily, but I have found as I've evaluated a lot of the sermons I preached, I've been preaching sermons of salvation. And yet the people that come into these doors typically are saved, most of them. But what I'm hoping as we preach this and as we share this, that you will take the good news and the message of Jesus and you will take these thoughts and these sermons and these tidbits and you will be able to share them and minister them to somebody around you. Because I'll be honest with you, if you asked me could I lead someone to the Lord a couple years ago, I, I could and I have, but I wasn't very good at it. But as I read this story, to me it's very simple. To me it's very simple. I've got good news for you a Savior was born. His name is Jesus, his name is Christ, anointed one, the Lord. And he rescued you, he rescued you so that you can in turn rescue someone else. And the way you rescue them is by sharing Christ with them. You're not the Savior. He's the Savior. But you say, I've got good news for you. I've got great joy. I've seen somebody's face change. Literally, their countenance change when they've accepted Christ, that what they looked like two minutes before to what they look like now was different. I've experienced that. I've seen that on a number of occasions. Literally, the face of the person changes when they, and you say, how do I know if they've accepted Christ? One of the ways is is I see it on their face. And if you've shared Christ with somebody and they've accepted Christ, you will see it. Literally, you will see it in their face. It changes. That's the good news. My goal and objective today was for us just to see that there's good news, great joy, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not left to my own devices. (laughs) I'm not left to my own means and my own abilities. But I have a Savior who came and he rescued. He rescued me. So as we celebrate Christmas, I want to challenge you to think Of what the Savior has done. Not putting them as just baby Jesus, because here it says, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. They didn't say a little baby, they said, Is born a Savior. I'm going to close. I got. Two questions. If you don't know him as your Savior, you can right now. And it doesn't have to be a huge altar call. It can be just a communication in your spirit to him. And there's a confession in your mouth to saying, Lord, you are my Savior, and I yield to you. Would you be my Savior? And I believe in you. It doesn't have to be 28 steps. It's it's as simple as that. So we're going to pray that in a moment because I'm going to give everybody here an opportunity. If there's uncertainty, you can be certain. The second thing we're going to do after that, if any of you need to receive or appreciate what he has done for you, we're going to take a few minutes while this song is being played and we're just going to receive his salvation, His rescuing, His de- deliverance, His saving. Because it's not just, I don't think it's just, there, there's a one-time event where He saves us from destruction, but there's, there's an ongoing life of experience of relating and becoming more like Him. And I have found in the last two years, I've needed Him more than I thought I needed Him before. I thought I needed Him a lot in the last two years. I can't take a breath without Him. I I can't. And I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to have it all figured out. So don't stay in your condition, don't stay where you are. Take a moment and say, "You know what? I need you." I need you. So if you want to accept him now, if you've never accepted him as your Savior before, I want you just to raise your hand. Don't be afraid, but just raise your hand because now you can accept him as your Savior. So if there's anybody here you've never accepted him as your Savior, now you can accept him. The words that I say, he's got great joy, good news for you. And the second thing I was saying was if you need just <laughs> if you're to be critically honest with yourself you don't have to be honest with me or anybody just be honest with yourself and just say I need him. I just want you to raise your hand and just receive. And if you could just keep your hands raised as, as a prophetic sign and as a symbol of openness We're just going to have this song play, and we're just going to let him minister. We're going to just take two minutes. and sing it. Let's stand as Olivia sings this again. Sing it one more time.
1: Noel, come and see what God has done. No, no, the storm.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Lord, at this moment, this sacred moment, I yield myself to you. You didn't just save my soul and leave me, but Lord, you have saved me, you have rescued me, you have delivered me, and you are my deliverer. From any and every situation that I may face, you are the one that rescues me. So what I'm facing today, Lord, I, I look and I say thank you that you are my Savior. And may I share the good news and the great joy that there was a Savior born to save us, to rescue us, to deliver us. Lord, may I be someone that lives that life so that I can see those around me touched by you. And Lord, I thank you for this time of year. I thank you. Lord, that We as believers know and understand what Christmas is about. But Lord, at this time of year, the world even talks about you. Those around us may not understand the full depth or the full import of what you did. But Lord, I just pray for souls to come to the knowledge of their Savior. Because what you did 2,000 years ago wasn't limited to then. It's to all people. So Lord, I pray for souls. I pray for souls this Christmas. Loved ones. Neighbors. Coworkers. People I come across in life. May I be someone that can give them good news of great joy. And may I show the life and the love of the Savior to them. Lord, I just pray that you'd bless everyone here. And Lord, I know Christmas time isn't always the same for everyone, but may you, may you shine your light And may your glory touch every home. And may we remember what you have done. Your precious name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas. And we will see you two weeks from now, January 1st.